The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link along with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N E U D A E, at New Day Music on Twitter. I appreciate them letting us use the song Lion Kings as our intro this season. James, part two of your MLB draft preview up on the site, Farm Futures top 10 pitchers in this year's draft. We are just days out now from the MLB first year player draft. And as we said last week, we will be having player notes go live in real time for every player drafted in the first several rounds. So definitely check that out for instant analysis on those picks. And we'll dive right into your farm futures piece, starting with the number one arm in this year's draft, Kyle Wright, 21 year old right hander out of Vanderbilt. Now the fastball sitting low to mid nineties right now, but you say you're good life and could develop into a plus offering in time, potential plus curveball and slider. Is it the floor with Wright and what he's shown in his college years that gives him the advantage over a guy like Hunter Green? The floor, the the present uh, secondary pitches, the 
ETA. I mean, it's all, it all kind of points to right. And, you know, I know, I know it in this one, just kind of each pitcher, they're potentially plus plus pitches and they're potentially plus pitches. He doesn't have any pitches that safely could project as, as plus plus offerings. So that, that kind of limits his ceiling a little bit, but he has four pitches that, that could all B plus down the road, which is, I mean, excellent. If you, you get that and you get solid command, that's a, that's a top of the rotation arm. So, uh, you know, there, there's some ceiling here too. It's just, it's not an, it's not all floor. I mean, he's, he's probably a better pitching prospect than, than Mark Appel was back in the day when he was coming out of Stanford. I mean, it's, it's not a unexciting college arm. He's really turned it on down the stretch in his junior year to, to really solidify himself as the favorite to go first overall interesting interesting so number one overall that's the likely consensus that's what everyone seems to think just because there are a lot more questions with everybody after him you know with with him it's just you know you're getting a really solid right-handed college starting pitcher who's going to stick in the rotation he's never he's not going to end up in the bullpen he doesn't have much risk uh at all really i mean vanderbilt has a really good reputation of how they handle their their pitchers uh don't don't overwork them so you know he's safe in that he's a college arm and he's he's kind of extra safe by college standards just kind of given uh the track record of of arms coming out of vanderbilt and he's got the size you know he's got he's got good command uh just seems like a a natural pick when you're picking one one you you have to nail that pick uh, there's guys with maybe a little bit more upside, maybe a bit more intrigue that that are projected to go behind him, but it's it's usually a pretty safe bet to to project a, a college, the best college starter to go first overall. Yeah, it's six foot four, two twenty. That's a nice sturdy frame. Guy who could hold up to major league workloads, certainly. Uh, yeah, a lot to like there, but you yeah. Keeping expectations reasonable with the likely placement in the 40 to 60 overall range in your top 400. So we'll see if he is indeed number one. That would be a pretty nice addition. But Hunter Green, of course, getting a ton of hype. We talked about him a little bit last week, not not in detail, but one of two prep prospects to get an SI cover this century, joining Bryce Harper. But we talked about, you know, there's possibility he could you know, play either way, but probably going to be developed as a starter and plus plus fastball potentially potentially plus uh slider has your opinion changed much at all since last week or is it just kind of uh the same sort of hesitations with hunter green well just the the toughest thing for me is deciding between hunter green and Mackenzie gore for who should be the second best pitching prospect in this class for for dynasty league purposes two high school arms very different in just what they bring to the table uh green is the the guy with the ideal size ideal athleticism uh you know premium velocity but he he doesn't have a secondary pitch that that comfortably projects as a plus pitch uh Mackenzie Gore, on the other hand, is left-handed. Uh, Green's a righty. Gore has, you know, they, they both have excellent command. Gore's doesn't have the, the same type of velocity that, that Green does, but, I mean, it could play as a plus-plus fastball just given that it's from the left side. And then he has, he does have the 
the secondaries you're looking for. He's got a curveball that could be a plus-plus pitch. He's got a, a good slider, a good changeup, a really nice four-pitch mix from the left side. So, you know, what what do you go with? Do you go with the guy that's the, the premium athlete with the elite velocity and just kind of hope on the, the secondaries developing to the point that he could pitch top of rotation? Or do you go with the guy that kind of has the secondaries uh you know I, I think it's it's a really tough call it could be a coin flip really i mean it's i know a lot of people you know a lot of the guys i talk with online about this kind of thing are just all in on gore uh we're going to talk to jim callis on saturday i know he's in the camp of uh, he would take mckenzie gore first overall hmm. uh i i definitely see that i, I might end up you know by, by the time the draft rolls around it might just come down to where these guys go. Like if San Diego lands one of these guys at three, I think that I'll have that guy ranked higher than the other one, honestly, just because I, I love the way they develop uh, pitching prospects. I love that as a, as a potential landing spot for them, you know, pitching in Petco. I know it's, it's not the pitcher's park it used to be, but to me that's still about as, as nice of a landing spot as you can get. So uh, might just come down to where these guys end up. Uh, both are premium high school pitching prospects that you know safely are going to get placed inside the top 100, even though they're going to be probably four years away from the big leagues. But uh, they both bring very different things to the table. I, I guess with Green, I want to ask you this: like, do you believe that a guy that's 17 years old who struggles to really show that that potentially plus uh breaking ball do you think you can learn to to spin a breaking ball to the point where it could jump from like an average offering to a plus offering or do you think that kind of you know spinning is is something that's sort of innate and you either have it or you don't no i don't i don't think it's innate i think you can learn to do it but i think what's difficult is being able to spin it at a high high rate but also locating it and throwing it for strikes that's what's so tough and i mean not just for i mean it's one of the toughest things to do in the, on the planet but and, and then hitting hitting that is is even harder but i i think it is something that you could teach a guy especially a guy with this with this much natural physical ability and athleticism still very young 17 and i think that is tough and i i don't know much about as much about these guys or really all that much to be honest, but uh, not as much as you. I, I think I I may be inclined to lean green if I were making decisions for my Reds, which will never happen. But if I were, just because that the fallback option of maybe developing him as a position player if things go south on the mound it gives me a little bit more comfort in in my selection. Yeah, I mean with green. With Green, I, I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a player with this many uh, enticing fallback fallback options because yeah. it's like if he doesn't make it as a starter, he could still make it as just a dominant reliever. He could make. I mean, I don't, I don't know how long you can go with him not hitting bef- before that kind of becomes a an odd fallback plan i mean maybe you have him dh a little bit yeah i mean you, you see it all, you see it all the time especially recently where guys go from being position players to to converting back to the mound and becoming power relievers uh, you don't really see it the other way around that much it, it almost i mean you almost never see a guy go from being a pitcher to being a hitter 
and well, you know, I mean, there was well, I'm thinking like Rick and Keel and those types, and even sure, like yeah, uh, yeah. somebody else. Yeah, and Keel. And Keel's a good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it is tough. Though. I mean, hitting a hitting hitting a big league uh, pitcher's fastball is is yeah, didn't David Peralta do that too? I thought he was a pitcher in like the, the independent leagues or something, or when he first started in pro ball. I don't know. Possibly. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's 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 definitely going to be interesting. I think the the Reds are definitely the considered the favorites to to end up with Hunter Green at this point. So I think you you might get your wish there. Uh, but well, I mean, he, then it's probably the wrong wrong choice. Right. I mean, he'll he'll probably end up in the bullpen at that point. So uh, <laughs> every Reds pitcher ends up in the bullpen. It's I mean, oh, man. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah, we'll see. I get your hesitation and just the the belief in the Reds being wise and how they develop guys. It hasn't worked. It's out tough lately. because you don't know. It, it's look a lot of those guys. Like it's it's hard to teach. It's hard to teach command. I mean, you just you know Robert Stevenson. I'd it, I'd love to know what the outcomes would be if you know what what would happen if he was in uh you know whatever organization you want to say is just excellent at developing pitchers you know is robert stevenson any different it it might just be he couldn't he wasn't going to throw enough strikes regardless of where he came up so it might be unfair to pin too much of that on the reds uh part of it too is just maybe the type of pitchers that they've targeted over the years have Mm -hmm. been guys that you know, maybe they didn't put enough emphasis on command when they're when they're targeting their pitchers. So, I mean, that that could be part of it too. Uh, you know, regardless, Hunter Green's name value is gonna gonna get him uh, pumped up in dynasty leagues. Obviously, Mackenzie Gore's already got a, a huge online fan base. So, I mean, he's gonna be a guy. You know, I, I at the beginning of this article, I mentioned just this this draft you know we've talked about this we talked about this last week talked about it on the xm show it just kind of sucks from a from a dynasty perspective and a lot of that is just because if i'm looking at the top 20 top 25 prospects in this draft the guys that i really like the, the guys that it would be my targets a lot of them are on the pitching side and that's not a good sign at all yeah absolutely and no matter who the reds pick i'm confident well fairly confident anyway It'll be a better first-round selection than Nick Howard from a couple of years ago. <laughs> Good God. What What was that? Tra- drafting a college reliever in the first round. Hey. Woof. But, hey, look, Mackenzie Gore, you have at number three, left-hander. We've touched on him already. But any concerns about the frame? He's not as stocky, I guess, as Hunter Green. About the same size, but not as much weight. You think he adds weight and is able to stay durable? You know, I love it's you would be a little bit worried about it except that he's got such good command and he uh you know it's it's a funky delivery but it's not there's not a ton of effort it's uh you know really high leg kick but just in terms of the arm it's there's not a ton of effort and you know green is honestly probably more risky from a injury standpoint than gore just because because of how fast he throws at such a young age you know i mean guys that touch triple digits when they're 17 i mean that's you're you're immediately put into a a very small bin of pitchers and you know a lot of them end up needing some sort of arm surgery at some point gore is more in that that sort of low 90s range uh 
I, I like the frame a lot. I think he's going to be able to repeat pretty easily. I'm no, I mean, I, I think Gore is less of a bullpen risk than Green, so I'm I'm not as worried, even though he's only 180 pounds. Interesting. Brendan McKay at number four, lefty out of Louisville. You have him projected to land in the 70 to 100 range in the top 400 once he is with a major league ball club. I think it's interesting you say here that given his innings workload with Louisville this year, uh, upwards or approaching 100 innings with Louisville, you expect him to be developed primarily as a hitter over the rest of this season, but still likely a pitcher long term. So I, I feel like we could just we can talk about McKay for 20, 30 minutes if we wanted to. It's 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 going to be so interesting to see what happens because I think you know most people think he is going to be able he's going to be allowed to hit uh after he's selected by whatever team takes him and he'll probably be assigned to like low a and maybe he just dh is there and he he continues to pitch maybe maybe two or three innings an outing something like that maybe he mostly just plays first base and they wait to to put him on the mound until uh you know next february or whatever but uh if he's as good a hitter as as everyone seems to think and he's allowed to hit after he's drafted then what type of you know what what's it going to take for that team to pull the plug on that you know i mean if he goes to low a even if the team thinks of him as a a future left-handed starter for them if he goes to low a and you know hits like 290 370 480 something like that i are you really gonna tell him next year like all right you're not you're done hitting um so it, to me he's he's the biggest wild card in this draft because if you told me he was gonna be a first baseman i'd put him inside my top 40 maybe inside my top 30 whereas if he's a left-handed starter i i sort of see him as you know maybe a, a quick to the majors mid-rotation type so then he's he's probably not even in the top 60 so uh it's just it's so complicated like whatever team takes him needs to have answers to all these questions all these what if questions in terms of what what uh types of turns his development's going to take because i i love him as a first baseman uh even though i mean college first basemen have a have a huge bust rate we've talked about that uh but i mean he might be one of the ones that that could make it work so i have no idea what's going to happen with him honestly i mean i think most the majority of people think he's going to end up being a pitcher. So that's why I haven't ranked as a pitcher, but look, the, I don't know. What, what do you think happens if, if he's allowed to hit this year and he hits, how do they, how does whatever team takes him stop, yeah. stop that, you know, and make him make him a pitcher. Yeah. I have no idea. That's such a tough sell, especially if you do have success as a hitter in a, at a professional stop, it's hard to take the bat out of your hand and say, well, now you're going back to to the mound. That is tough, but you know, I could really see the Reds taking this guy. Just a hop, skip, and a jump across the Ohio River. This Louisville boy, I could totally see, especially as a college guy. If they, you know, if they don't, they're hesitant about Green or Gore. I could totally see them taking McKay, but I, I feel like they're probably not looking ahead that far as to what the decision would be if he does have success as a hitter. I think he he seems like a red uh yeah just you know everything about getting that sense here seems like a red uh but all these guys that we talked about are really in play in the those first four picks right 
I, I mean, nobody has any idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. People are all just kind of guessing. All four of the guys we've talked about could go one one, mm-hmm. and that's that's going to be really entertaining to watch on on Monday night as everything unfolds. Absolutely, number five, David Peterson, another lefty, him out of Oregon, potentially plus pitches, the fastball, the changeup, and the slider. Uh, maybe in the nine to twenty range in the draft, really crazy K to walk one forty to fifteen during his junior year. But is this a guy that I mean, kind of well, maybe like McKay a little bit that doesn't really have the the pitch that uh, grades out as a, a future plus plus pitch? Yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's a really interesting profile. I think he's a little underrated. Uh, he. He's a guy that I will target, uh, assuming he ends up in the right with the right team. Uh, he's six six, you know, big lefty, but that command you alluded to is rare in a guy that size. And I really like his delivery. Uh, he's really got a nice changeup that he that he didn't use a ton in college. There's there's some sneaky upside here for for a college starter who's probably not going to come off the board until the teens. I actually think there's there's a little bit of upside here. I think he's going to move incredibly quickly to the big leagues. He might beat uh, a guy like Brendan McKay to the majors. And if he ends up in the right spot, I, I, I'd i be pretty excited about what he brings to the table. Could end up with, with three-plus pitches. I mean, probably not a number one, but uh, could be a you know a low whip, maybe strikeout per inning number two number three so i mean i i like peterson quite a bit uh you know i'd, I'd love for the brewers to get him at nine honestly I'd, I'd that's very unlike them to go with a with a college player especially a college pitcher but uh you know i, th- I think there's there's very little bullpen risk here and i think he's got the the arsenal to make you feel pretty good about him pitching in the middle of a rotation guy who doesn't have the command that peterson has but maybe better raw stuff i'd love to get your thoughts shane baz I, why not b-a-z yeah i like that name almost like daz <laughs> of uh, the dog pound <laughs> concordia lutheran high school in texas 17 years old i mean the fastball clocking up at the upper 90s 98 this kid's only 17 obviously the secondary pitches will be a work in progress but big kid six foot three 190 how confident are you in that command coming around in time? Uh, you know, I, that's, that's going to be the question. Obviously he's got the pitch mix to start for sure. Uh, four potentially plus pitches, the cutter and the slider are pretty similar. He probably scraps one of them and focuses on the curveball a little bit more. I, I think the cutter, you know, if you go, you know, mid nineties fastball, uh, high 80s low you know maybe you know cutter could maybe touch 90 and then and then you get a a plus curveball to mix in there i mean that's that's a really nasty uh trio of pitches so i mean he's he's honestly got as much upside as any of the guys we've talked about if he if if people were more confident in the command he'd he'd be in that same mix with guys like gore and and green up at the top there uh really really nice high upside prep arm he's he's really young for the class i mean there's there's a lot to like uh with baz so he's he's another guy that i think i'll be be targeting 
Number seven, Sam Carlson. It's not often you see prospects coming out of this neck of the woods up here in the the north of the United States. He's out of Burnsville High School in Minnesota. But unlike a lot of these guys we've talked about, he has two pitches, which could be plus-plus in time, the fastball and the changeup. You say here legitimate number two starter upside. He also has a, a pretty solid projectable frame, six foot four, one ninety five. What are the missing pieces with, with Sam Carlson? Well, the big question with him is the velocity because he's been sitting in the mid nineties, touching ninety seven, but last summer it was more kind of a high eighties, low nineties fastball. And so if there's teams out there that just really buy into the velocity gains, then they're going to invest heavily. Uh, it seemed, you know, a month or two ago that he might be one of those guys that goes in the sandwich round to, for a huge bonus, uh, to, to some team, uh, picking near the top that saves a little bit of money and, and signs him to like a $3.5 million bonus in the thirties. But I think his stock has climbed to the point where he's safely probably going to go, uh, in the first 15 picks, I mean, just really projectable frame. The the changeup's probably the best among the high school pitchers in this draft. Uh, curveball shows some potential. So if if you buy into the velocity gain gains, then he's I mean he's as exciting as any of these prep pitchers. I mean th- this is why this is what I was kind of talking about with just the pitchers in this draft. Like we've talked about seven guys that I mean you could you could pretty easily fall in love with. Whereas on the hitter side it's just you're you're picking between which guys flaws scare you the least and, yeah, exactly. and, and on the pitching side it's just a lot of these guys you can really dream on i think that's a really good point yeah because a lot of these guys and i guess maybe that's just inherent with with pitchers is it seems so easy to dream on those guys and easier to see the flaws and hitters because with pitchers we always have that hope that they can you know iron out their command over time but plate skills are a little tougher to develop over over time but um dl hall that's a fitting name for this 2017 dl left-hander out of uh georgia potential plus plus pitches include the fastball and the curve likely in the 9 to 20 range you say 120 to 160 overall in the top 400 once all said and done potentially two 70 grade pitches that fastball and the curve but is there a third pitch there that that we need to see develop yes i mean so i think baz carlson and hall are all going to go in about the same range of the draft Uh, i'll rank them all in in a similar range in the top 400 i have hall listed last out of the trio just because i think there's the most bullpen risk with him you alluded to those two monster pitches that alone with him being a lefty is going to get him taken in the top 20 picks obviously but the changeup lags way behind i mean he didn't really need to use it in in high school uh the commands you know a little bit of an issue he's six feet tall he's he's got good size to him 190 pounds but i mean you know you throw in the the height just mixed in with the other variables and He's been sort of inconsistent at times. I just think there's there's a lot of risk here. I mean, the, the fastball and curveball give him a, an extremely high ceiling if he can kind of figure out the, the command and the changeup. But to me, there's of all the guys we've talked about, this uh, D.L. Hall has probably got the, the most risk. Getting back to Sam Carlson just for a, a quick second, because I just was thinking 
more so about trends around the league. And you said he had the best changeup in the game. We've seen a lot of guys, especially in spring training this year, trying to add changeups and develop changeups because just a increasingly important pitch in today's game and be able to change speeds with so many hitters trying to, to run into one and the fastball. Do you think that could lead to Sam Carlson, the, the changeup lead to him going maybe inside the top 10? I wouldn't be surprised if any of the guys, uh, you know, Hall, Carlson, Baz, I mean, Baz, Baz actually probably will go inside the top 10. Uh, Carlson, Carlson's got enough, uh, you know, recent movement up, up boards and up lists in the past couple of months that, it wouldn't surprise me if he went anywhere inside the top 10, honestly. I mean, he could be the Braves aren't picking till five, but you know, uh, remember Ian Anderson last year. I don't think we had him projected go. I don't think anywhere really had him projected going inside the top eight, maybe even not in, in the top 10. And the Braves popped him at three to save a little money and signed Joey Wentz. I think you could see a similar thing happen with Carlson. Carlson could be that guy who comes off the board, a lot sooner than expected for a team that really really buys into the velocity gains gets him to sign for an underslot deal and then and then takes a another guy later in the draft and and gives him a huge bonus sounds like a potential red maybe <laughs> leaping up and surprising some people but at number nine jb bukowskis out of nc now you say here that the height and the, the size with him is a concern, as is the command. But in terms of the quality of his two best pitches, is he near the top of the board in this year's draft? Yeah, I have him ranked at nine, though. Uh, you know, the fact that I have him ranked at nine tells you that I have some questions about the, the future role of the college guys expected to go in the top 10. I think he's got the most bullpen risk. I think there's. The, the fact that he commands his slider better than he commands his fastball to me is a pretty big red flag and he just really leans on the slider you don't want to see that from a guy in college that's got a big fastball you should be able to pitch off of that pitch against college hitters so the the fact that he relies so heavily on the slider i think is is discouraging uh you know the the velocity and the i mean the slider is probably the best breaking ball of any pitcher in this entire class so you know you can't can't scoff at the profile altogether and and he it does have a mid-90s fastball but you know bukowskis and hall to me are the two guys we've talked about who i would not bet against them ending up in the bullpen long term Number 10, Alex Fido. Now, it sounds like there were very real concerns with Bukowskis, but what uh, led you to put Fido even lower on this this ranking? I think he's got less upside. I think of of the 10 guys we talk about, Fido's got the, the lowest upside if he sticks in the rotation. I see just, I, I just see a number three starter. Uh, a year ago, his velocity... And his changeup were at a point where that might not have been the case, but you know now he's he's ninety ninety three with the fastball. The changeup's backed up. The command's backed up a little bit. Uh, I think he I think he sticks in the rotation, but uh, might only be a number four in the end. And I think a number three is a, is a realistic ceiling for him. So that's that's why I had him behind, even though 
I do give Bukowskis a bit more bullpen risk than Fajardo. Interesting. Well, great stuff as always, James. We appreciate it. Check out all of James's farm futures pieces at rotowire.com, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10 day trial. And again, player notes live in real time as the picks happen next week for the draft. James, though, on a different topic, how's your top 10 album list coming along? <laughs> Man, I because man, the requests for these rapper grades just keep flooding in. Yeah, I mean, look, I have mine narrowed down to twelve, uh, twelve albums. We're get, we're gonna have to get that down to ten. Uh, I think I know what the ten are, but the two that I have to cut out, I it just really pains me to do so. So I I'm gonna just give it a bit more time. I think I was looking at the calendar trying to trying to map out. Uh, when we could start and still get done um by the end of the year and i i think uh i think if we start on that the 20th of july which would be the third thursday in july uh you and i will both be back from some some trips we're taking that month uh i think i i think i'll be back then um but yeah i think that that would be a good time for us to get going on those so plenty of time i know i'm i'm maybe a bit more uh ahead of you in terms of the the ranking process but yeah i'm gonna need until july 20th it's i really am you know i'm looking at my top 12 right now and there's a lot of uh you know it's just all it's just all from that uh, with the with maybe the exception of one or two maybe maybe two or three albums it's just all from that just really meaty sweet spot of of hip-hop kind of that mid-90s uh, yeah. golden era and there's look i mean there there aren't going to be a ton of surprises on here I, there might be one or two that that surprise some people but i mean a lot of these are just you know absolute required listening to to any hip-hop fan but i mean we'll we'll definitely go into to some depth uh on each album when we do unveil those yeah absolutely that's that's interesting because well mine i'll just say mine's begins and ends with supreme clientele that's what it all boils down to that's uh, i don't want to say that's number one yet but it's definitely i think it's number one it's definitely top top three but i think there will be some real differences in our in our top 10 so that'll be interesting and boiling that down to 10 is just incredibly difficult are we going to have like specific grades for the album or what were you thinking just uh, i mean to album? me these are all just variations of 80s yeah. uh but i, I think, think people like the actual numbers right giving out numbers i, I might uh maybe we can like pick a certain song and grade it or something sure yeah yeah maybe maybe we 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 f- find our our favorite song on each album and then come up with some criteria for for grading that that track yeah uh, or maybe pick the worst track or something yeah and like pick the best that. track and the worst track and just just go to town on it uh take I mean, apart the worst track and the you know the nice thing about that too is uh you know i i know you, you said we're gonna have some differences that's obvious i think we there will be at least two or three albums that are on both of our lists and so that way where we can kind of be saying some different things because mm-hmm. i think the odds of us having uh a, a same favorite song on the same album are, are probably pretty low i, I think we have might have different favorite tracks on clientele and 
and some others so yeah i think that that'd be a good way to go about it for sure yeah that'll be fun I, again man we, we hear you we hear you fans loud and clear all you diehard prospect pod listeners now we appreciate it and uh, look we did a way that didn't really i didn't really think anybody would notice or care but people people voice their opinion they yeah. want the rapper grades back or at least some sort of rap discussion we will bring you that later in the season but thanks for listening to this episode of the prospect pod guys we'll see you next week Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.